Hey, how's it going? You guys are in store for an amazing episode. This one I've been hyping up for a long time now, actually since I recorded it, and I could not be more thrilled to have this episode go live because of not only interviewing my amazing guest who I'm about to introduce, but also because this topic that we discuss in this episode, the broad topic of functional dentistry and the mouth-body connection is honestly, I think, the next biggest thing in whole body health. And I myself have been diving deeper into the mouth-body connection and finding my own practitioners local in Chicago and the Milwaukee area to really find the best team of practitioners and doctors to analyze my own airways and my teeth Um, without, I guess, sharing too much information about my own health. Um, I don't have any concerns or things like that, but I did have my wisdom teeth removed back in the day. And from what I'm learning, there are some detriments to that. So basically, I'm just trying to get that all screened and figured out. And this episode today helped me learn a bit more about the mouth-body connection, functional dentistry, airway dentistry, so many different things. Um, As I like to say, uh, with a lot of my guests, we could keep talking for hours and hours. And now I'd love to let you know who I'm actually bringing on the podcast. And her name is Dr. Nora Zaghi. Dr. Nora and I connected via Instagram and we became fast Instagram friends, mainly because I was so fascinated by the work she and her husband and her team over at the Breathe Institute, what they were doing. And she even expressed interest in what I was doing, um, especially in regard to mold illness. So it was really exciting connecting with her, chatting in the DMs, and I eventually invited her to come on the Lifelong Podcast because I couldn't think of a better person to talk about the mouth-body connection, functional dentistry, and airway dentistry. And we just scratched the surface. There is an entire universe that exists out there. Um, I strongly recommend you check out the Breathe Institute. But Dr. Nora, not only is she a dentist and not only does she have this company, but she is a researcher and she is an educator through the Breathe Institute and she has advanced training in myofunctional therapy, has certifications in feeding treatment modalities, and she's seriously just such a well-rounded person and super kind-hearted patient woman who... I am honored to have on the podcast today. So without further ado, join me in welcoming the wonderful Dr. Nora. Hello, Dr. Nora. So excited for today. Me too. This is going to be amazing. I'm so excited. Yeah, I could not be more excited to have you on today. I feel like you and your team over at the Breathe Institute are really paving the way for 
this whole, I guess, blending of functional dentistry, holistic wellness, everything, bringing it all back to the mouth, the body, talking about this relationship that essentially needs to be talked about. And there's no better person than you to speak eloquently (laughs) about all of this. So yeah, so pumped to have you here today. Thank you. I can't wait to um, help educate your followers and help them in their own health journeys in any way I can. Yeah, well, let's start by introducing the audience to who you are and what the Breathe Institute entails, all that. Can you begin with sharing? Okay, great. Um, so I am, my name is Dr. Nora Gaduzi-Zaghi. I'm a board-certified pediatric dentist, and I also practice functional pediatric dentistry as well as interceptive orthodontics and helping shape my patients and their structure, behavior, and function. Um, The Breathe Institute itself is a group of experts, and they all do provide collaborative care for their patients, for our patients. So we have everywhere from an ENT and sleep surgeon, who is my husband, that focuses on sleep and breathing issues, an oral maxillofacial surgeon, an infant tongue tie specialist, integrative pharmacist, um, sleep speech and language pathologist. We have a sleep hygiene expert, craniosacral therapist, eight myofunctional therapists um, <laughs> that have background in dental hygiene and other backgrounds. We have lactation support and um, also yoga nidra on our team and a pediatric physical therapist. So there's lots of us here that are just experts in everything that we do to help come together and provide collaborative care for our patients. Um, I kind of dove into functional dentistry when I was in my residency. Um, I was getting referrals, and I'm sure the dentist listening probably identify with this, for healthy teeth being extracted. And that was because I had kids that were very young and their jaws were very small. And I was wondering why their jaws are so small. Like why are some kids with such broad, beautiful jaws and some kids have narrow jaws? And I would send them to the orthodontist naturally like most pediatric dentists do. And the orthodontist would send them back to me and say, pull out these four healthy premolars. And I looked over to my attending and I would say, this is odd. There must be a better way. There must be another way of treating our patients without doing these extractions. Like why are some teeth, why why is this happening? What's the etiology of these crooked teeth or these narrow jaws? And she, um, she actually helped me kind of guide, guided me into this airway and, and the airway health and airway dentistry and understanding things such as expansion and myofunctional. She didn't know about myofunctional therapy, but she led me to myofunctional therapy. And, um, would you like to learn a little bit about why, what myofunctional therapy is? Yes, yeah? absolutely. Okay, I think that is all valuable information for the audience. So myofunctional therapy, it's exercise-based therapy. And think of it like physical therapy for the muscles of the mouth, the tongue, and the face. So we, dis- we, all, have, um, we, we all have these, uh, some people have dysfunction. Let's say their tongue goes between the teeth when they swallow. The tongue is actually supposed to go up when it swallows. Or we have the tongue low. We want to actually have the tongue up 
or we use our lips and our cheeks when we swallow. We're actually just supposed to use our tongue when we swallow and when we speak. So it helps train proper breathing, speaking, chewing, and swallowing. So we have people that have backgrounds in dental hygiene, speech and language pathology, physical therapy, OT, that have my that do specialty training in myofunctional therapy to help their sleep and breathing and speaking and chewing and swallowing. So kids with these myo or adults too with these myofunctional dysfunctions functions. They can have these narrow jaws. They can have uh, downward growth of jaw. They can have crooked noses, allergy shiners under their eyes. And this is all indicative of their dysfunction. Um, when I, when I, I started to take courses within my residency, I was really lucky that they let me. And I took my orthodontist with me and I took my pediatric dentist friends with me and I said, let's go to these courses. One, one week before the course, I was at a party and I saw my now husband who is um, mm-hmm. an ENT and sleep surgeon. It's a really funny story, but it's personal. And he asked me <laughs> out on a date and I looked at him and I said, like, not right now. I'm not really ready. And I'm like, and I'm like, what do you do again? And he said, I'm an ear, nose and throat physician and I'm a sleep surgeon. I'm like, well, if you're doing sleep and ear, nose and throat surgery, you should know about myofunctional therapy. And it's very important. And at that point, this was years ago, I, I was that. really, just, <laughs> that was really just in the beginning <laughs> phases of everything. And he looked at me and he said, I know all about myofunctional therapy. And I'm like, how do you know about myofunctional therapy? And he's like, well, yeah, I, I, I have myofunctional therapists I work with. And I just thought he was lying because, you know, guys, they try to tell you things because they want, they they want to, (laughs) you to like them. And then I went to the myofunctional therapy uh, course and I saw, I saw that they were lecturing about him and he was doing research on myofunctional therapy. So I texted him. I (laughs) (laughs) I texted him and I was like, Hey, they're talking about you at this lecture. And he's like, well, if I come to, they actually invited me to that lecture. If I come, will you go on a date with me? So I said, yes. And I went on, we went on our first date after that, like after that course. And, um, Ever since then, I feel really, really lucky that I've been able to learn and grow with the Breathe Institute. And it's just been wonderful to have him um, as a wonderful sleep and sleep and breathing expert in the field, just help guide me and guide my knowledge and in functional dentistry as well. So, yeah, that's how it all came together. (laughs) It really all came together so perfectly. It's it's like divine timing or something, honestly, having the right people in the right place at the right time. And now look at the career path you're on, getting to work with your husband and having this completely amazing team of all different types of specialists. Um, Yeah, thank you for giving the background on not only your story, but also on myofunctional therapy and uh, yeah, just shining light on that because I feel that it's not something many people know about. I actually was, we were just talking before I started recording, um, just letting the audience know, but curious to hear why extractions are so commonplace. And do you think that's going to change? Do you think more dentists are becoming familiar with airway, the importance of airways and myofunctional therapy like do you see this changing 
across the board or is it just a very niche thing right now? Um, I think it's a bl- right now there's a blend, but there's absolutely, I see an evolution in dentistry occurring where more and more dentists are getting access to the knowledge of airway dentistry and the importance of early intervention. And that means that when we see a problem, not waiting until the problem gets worse to fix it. And it's like a fire. You, you have to put it out when you see the smoke starting. You don't put out the fire when it's already full blazing. So when I, I definitely see a lot of dentists, especially for example, like I'm, I'm, I, towards my end, for example, I started this journey when I was in my residency. Towards the end of my residency, I was seeing the orthodontics, orthodontists starting to learn about expansion and learning about different options in treating patients, and then also understanding the etiology of why it's happening. Um, but the r- real important part about all of this is collaborative care. And I think that that when we're treating a patient, it's really not about just saying, hey, your teeth are crooked, let's fix it. It's about talking about why your teeth are crooked, why your jaws are narrow, and delving into uh, their sleep hygiene, their habits, their breathing, their diet, their nutrition. The, do- the jaws were narrow because they, the function, because of maybe a lack of function, because form follows function. And this is something that we're not, I was never taught this in school. I learned all of this on my own and through uh, working with other health professionals, working with my team, listening to the therapists and, and listening to our patients. And this is something that's really important for every healthcare provider is that we, when we see our patients and they're sick, we have to talk to them and understand and understand the root cause of their illnesses so that we can help them from their root cause. We can't just provide a, a Band-Aid for every issue. We have to fix the issue, greater issue at hand. And I think that that's important in all facets of health care, regardless of if it's dentistry. And I think that this evolution of going back to whole health care, which I really see is on fire right now, whole health, whole health. And I think more and more traditional healthcare providers are learning about the whole health collaborative care and they're interested in in implementing it in their practices. It's just how. And And I think that if you're a healthcare provider and you're listening, you know, reaching out to the community, the people, the greater people in your community and forming your own little, little collaborative care, um, specialty team and being able to treat the whole body because we can't just be, you know, it's, we're all, our whole body's connected. Yeah. Let's dive into that connection between the mouth and the full body. Can you explain that? I know I've personally learned about some more like ancient philosophies following the energetics and philosophies traditional Chinese medicine and the relationship between, you know, each tooth pertaining to different organs and things like that. Can you dive into that? Because I feel that everyone needs to know this. So let's (laughs) go really granular and break that down. Cool. Yeah, I think it's really interesting Chinese philosophies. It's also known as meridian pathways. Um, So Chinese medicine has studied these meridian pathways. And actually, we think that they come from the teeth, but they're 
really existing in the lips and the cheeks. So these meridian path, the meridian channels are existing in our, yeah, it's really interesting, right? They exist in our lips and our cheeks and they communicate with our nerves, which come from our teeth, the dentinal flow from our teeth and the crystalline structure in the enamel and they connect through pulsating channels. So we have, it's thought that each tooth is connected to many or some organs in our bodies and um, these energetic pathways, they connect. And if we have any changes like infection, extraction or something of that of that on that um, disease, we would find some sort of issues in our in those associated organs. And what's also very interesting about that is that if we've had orthodontic treatment or extractions, that means our meridian channels have moved. So you might Hello. find a, yes, <laughs> exactly. So we might have a, we might find a blend of a patient that had has you know something in the, in the breast, but the teeth had tooth had moved. So it was originally maybe in the premolar stage when it moved forward or backward, and from orthodontic treatment. So we would find a different associated organ. So I think that's really interesting philosophy and theory and. It's just comes to show the linkage of whole body, whole health. And also now there's a systemic linkage, for example, for, from gum disease and heart health. So our whole body and our mouth is definitely connected. Yeah, I have told people before, like, floss your teeth because the plaque in your teeth can end up in your arteries and whatever. And <laughs> maybe I'm totally off base with that. but. Again, just anything to emphasize that connection between the mouth, body, and yeah, I love looking back at kind of the ancient philosophies and modalities and finding more modern science to back up those philosophies. So hence me being so fascinated in functional dentistry and this whole umbrella of everything that you guys were at the Breathe Institute. Um, question, another little side question in terms of extraction. So if someone gets a tooth pulled out, what are the detriments of getting a tooth pulled out? Um, well, if you're looking at it from Chinese medicine and their philosophy, their philosophies, if you get a tooth pulled out, you it, depending on what tooth it is, you might have secondary detriments to your organs in your body. Or if you get a end, if you get a tooth pulled out, what we know now through research is that you're most like in order to help your jaws fill, fit, fill that space that is missing, you're most likely going to pull your jaws back. And when you pull your jaws back, your mouth gets smaller and essentially your airway gets smaller. So think about if you're breathing openly right now and if you're breathing from a straw, imagine. So imagine you're breathing from that straw. A small straw is thought to be a smaller airway. That's an analogy that I'm trying to make. So we want to keep the jaws broad and wide rather than small and narrow so that we have larger airways and we can have um, oxygen actively reaching our cells and our tissues. And also for our sleep, it's important for us to have good large airways or not small airways so we can have deep sleep. 
Yeah. So I know you talked about the importance of having that, a team of experts from all different areas, making sure that they're all collaborating. And I know that your focus is pediatrics, but for for the adults out there, like myself even, because I went through orthodontic stuff and I've had, you know, breathing issues, swallowing issues, overbite, you know, all the things. What types of solutions are there for adults? Like, can you start working at myofunctional therapy and things like that even when you're an adult? Or is it... Okay. There's, there's so much you can do when you're an adult. And for your listeners listening, first, I want what you can do is just test to see if you're able to breathe from your nose. And there's something called lip taping. And we recommend, we can recommend it if you're first, you're checked by an ENT or a dentist, and you're over three years old, not pregnant, not drink, not drinking alcohol, and you just tape your lips for three minutes. And you're able just to see if you're able to breathe from your nose to see if there's anything structurally wrong with your nasal breathing. Because if you're not able to breathe through your nose, then you're going to breathe from your mouth. And then it's because it's potentially a structural issue. And then what we do is we see, we try to identify if there's any breathing issues, particularly with sleep. Um, if you're an adult, we want to know, like, are you sleeping? Do you have apneic episodes? Are you mouth breathing? What's going on with your sleep? Do you have deep sleep? Do you wake up in your sleep? Um, and we, we can also improve, for example, your airway by different interventions from being, you know, most minimal would be myofunctional therapy to start to help train the tongue to be on the roof of the mouth. Because what happens is, is if your tongue is low, your tongue, your jaws will essentially grow downward. And we want the jaws to grow forward. So if the jaws are going downward, what happens is that your lower third of your jaw will be longer and that you'll you'll potentially have the, the tongue on the floor of the mouth instead of the roof of the mouth. And the roof of the mouth is actually the floor of the nose. So what we see is with people with low tongue posture, they um they have buckling of the of the roof of the mouth and of the septum. So you can actually pot- potentially get sleep and breathing, breathing issues. And also when you're asleep, all the muscles in your your body relax. So if you're mouth breathing, imagine, and you're asleep, what happens is is that the the tongue is a really strong group of muscles, and the tongue will fall back into the airway, right? Because you, and then then you get these apneic episodes, and you don't fall into deep sleep. We see these problems really early on because kids will ha- not have long bone growth because you need to go to deep. REM sleep for long bone growth. And, and also we'll seeing that they can change their issues, paying attention, they're paying attention in school. You'll see the kids having more daytime sleepiness, not doing well, uh, falling, falling asleep really easily. Um, you can usually hear noisy breathing, or you can he- hear these apnea episodes or gasps, unfortunately, at such a long, young age. But when you get older, you definitely treat these too. And something simple that you guys can do at home is just starting with clearing your nose, just like how you clean your mouth. We should all be cleaning our nose. And nasal hygiene is instrumental and key. We, there's something called Neil MD sinus rinse or X Clear and Xylitol. Yeah, can actually, yeah. I know that one. 
great. Um, I love that because xylitol will break up the mucus in your nose and if you rinse it out, you'll be able to you'll be able to clear your nose for sleep so you could nose breathe during sleep. So, so, so important. So there's so much you can do as minimal from cleaning your nose and myofunctional hair therapy, as well as seeing an airway dentist to see if your jaws are narrowed, to see if there's anything we can do to help do any sort of expansion if it's necessary or needed as well. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. And I love how you were you, you answered my next question too, which was <laughs> explaining the differences between, in terms of benefits between mouth breathing and nasal breathing. And it sounds like the more we, and you can uh, jump into this too, if you have any more details to add, but it sounds like the more we breathe with our nose, the better quality our sleep is, which improves our energy levels, our attention our stress levels. What else? I know you had mentioned something offline last time we chatted about nitric oxide, I think that's called. Can you jump into that again? Sure, sure. So uh, when we breathe from our nose, it's said that we have um, in our paranasal sinuses, we have something, we create something called nitric oxide. And what nitric oxide does is it allows the, uh, the oxygen to re- more readily or actively reach the, the tissues and cells in our body. In addition, nose breathing is so important because what we have to look at what the purpose of the nose is. Why do we have a nose? And we have our nose to be able to filter and humidify the air that we are breathing so that it, it can reach our cells in our body. So for example, if you have bacteria, viruses, dust in the air, the nose will clear all those bacteria, viruses, and and, um, and dust, and it gets stuck in our, in our cilia. However, if you're breathing from the mouth, what you're going to have is all those bacteria and viruses and dust go straight into the airway, and you're going to get. And what's in the airway? What's the first thing you, you potentially see when you open your mouth and look at the back of your throat? You see your tonsils, and then the tonsils get inflamed and they get hypertrophy, and then we're, we think, oh, that's simple. Let's just remove tonsils. But it's re- removing tonsils without fixing the root of the cause of the issue is not going to do, it's going to help, but it's not going to, it's not going to completely cure your patient. And like I mentioned before, you know, um, all, all of these, all of these things play a role with like, whether it's habit, whether it's structure, whether it's function, whether it's behavior, all of these things play a role in, in their overall sleep and breathing of our patients. Okay. Um, some people have restrictions, whether it's because the band of tissue is too tight or too short, or it can't function properly because of low tone. For example, if the tongue is just low tone, um, if the tongue is low tone, you can work with a myofunctional therapist with getting the tongue up on the roof of the mouth to be able to breathe from our noses. But for example, if that tongue is short, whether through a gene, particular genetic issue, like earlier mentioned, uh, you would you would need to potentially get that released along with getting myofunctional therapy as well. So this is also instrumental in treating sleep and breathing because what we're finding is that here, so Dr. Zaghi is leading the research here and what he's found is that when he releases these tongues in conjunction with um, 
with myofunctional therapy or physical therapy, whatever therapy that the patient particularly needs, he finds a full whole body benefit because there's something called fascia that all of our body is lined with. And the fascia system actually begins at the base of the tongue. And if you uh, look, you can look online and Google the deep front line dissection. And you can see that the base of the tongue uh, starts this, this, the fascia system and it goes all the way down to our toes. So when we have, see these patients, it's super interesting. So when we see these patients with these frenulums that are tight or short, like I mentioned, what can happen and is... frenulum is, is the fiber? Yeah, it's right here. So if you open your mouth, so your followers can listen to open your mouth, uh-huh. stick your tongue behind your two front teeth. And what we do is we look potentially for compensations like lifting up of the floor of the mouth or neck engagement. And we also see if that tongue can reach behind the two front teeth. That's one way of looking to see if there's a tongue tie. And then also we ask for symptoms. So we want to, it's not just saying, looking at the tongue and saying, okay, it's tight or short, but asking for symptoms. Like, do you have sleep and breathing issues? Are you grinding at night? Um, do you have speech speech issues if you're a child? Do you have feeding issues? Are you not, like, are you not able to reach the back molars with your tongue and clean your teeth? Do you, is, that, is that potentially a reason why you're getting caries? Um, are you mouth breathing? So all of this is all connected. I have two questions. My first cool. question, first of all, thank you. I love listening to you explain all of this. It's so exciting. Um, <laughs> but my first question is, if something such as a short tongue or having a tongue tie can lead to all of these crazy different symptoms that can be very debilitating, such as having breathing difficulty. I mean, that's debilitating itself. How on earth can this be missed by so many doctors and dentists? So that's a really good question. And I just think that um, the research is coming and it's out. So Dr. Zaghi, it's because when we're in school, we're taught a very traditional way of thinking. We, we were taught evidence-based dentistry and evidence-based medicine. So when we make decisions for our patients, we review the evidence and we determine if the risks outweigh the benefits based on the research. And that's when we make our decisions and we, we decide what the best treatment modalities are for our patients. Um, research is out and it's showing that, you know, Dr. Zaghi did a, did a research paper showing that there's safety and efficacy in treating patients with ankyloglossia in conjunction with uh, myofunctional therapy. That's the only paper currently out there that's showing that it's safe and effective to, when, when treating ankyloglossia with myofunctional therapy. That's is huge anko, for the community. Is, yeah. Just to clarify for the audience, ankyloglossia, so, probably pronouncing that incorrectly. What is, what is that? So ankyloglossia is the medical term for the restricted frenulum or the band of tissue that's connecting the tongue to the floor of the mouth. Summarizes it all into that one word. Okay, (laughs) thank you. Sorry. No problem. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't uh, clarify, but yes. And now that the research is out, we're seeing for sure this evolution, which is so cool, an evolution in dentistry and the guidelines are changing and we're seeing that 
dentistry is definitely becoming more and more open to the connect the greater connection of these tongue ties we restricted thundering limbs to our to the patient's overall health and um, early intervention and early diagnosis is instrumental in being able to provide the good care that we need to provide for our patients so um, here at the breathe institute we provide courses for dentists and uh, healthcare providers, biofunctional therapists, things of all that nature to help not only treat babies and, and adults with uh, with ankyloglossia, but also a functional approach to the treatment, which is super important because it's important to look at the collaborative care in treating these patients with sleep and breathing issues. And uh, we provide like sleep courses as well. So I definitely think that our, uh, the efforts here at the Breathe Institute, as well as all of the airway health providers out there that are really focusing on the research and focusing on the changes in medicine and dentistry will 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 definitely help um, the newer doctors that are in school right now potentially get the the proper education they need to to start identifying these issues early because it all relies on our educational system and we we have to continue to push the research forward in order for it to enter the educational institutions that are teaching these protocols and guidelines. Well, it's good to know that there's potentially some change going on. And just the fact that, again, the work you and your team are doing, it, it's out there and it's, it's happening, but potentially it's happening at a slower rate. You know, I kind of think, thinking back, I have a few different thoughts on my own history of just dentistry and orthodontistry and everything. And I'm so grateful for, I've never... I've never had a cavity. I've never had anything crazy with my teeth per se, but I did have extractions as a kid. And then I had my wisdom teeth all pulled out as an adult. And I had an overbite and I needed braces. So I had all these different things. And my mind right now is thinking, okay, I'm grateful that I, you know, my teeth look healthy and they're straight and my parents spent the money. I'm very blessed and I'm grateful for that. But now I'm like, oh my gosh, the dentist and the orthodontist maybe back then didn't have the research, whatever. So anyways, the conversation we're having now, I feel, I feel hopeful that even though I'm an adult and you know, a lot of our listeners listening in, they're probably feeling the same way. It, it sounds like there is hope and that we can overcome these things, even though we are adults. And I know it's, it's better to address these things, you know, when you're younger and developing and your jaw is more malleable. I don't, I don't know yeah. if I'm using the right words, but anyways, I'm, I'm getting a, a glimpse of some hope. So thank you. Yeah, it's great. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. So functional dentistry, I know we really got into the breathe stuff, which I honestly keep talking about because I'm fascinated by that. And that was one of my main symptoms in my life was dealing with breathing issues. But anyways, what are some other benefits to functional dentistry? And aside from the breathing aspects, like what are some other cool things that the listener should know about? 
Yeah, that's a really, really good question. So when you're doing, when you go to a traditional dentist, they're usually going to look They're What they do is they probably will take an x-ray, look at your tooth, see the problem and then fix the problem. But when you, and that's just basically trying to treat the structure. But when you have, when you're a functional dentist, what I do is I look at the structure function and the behavior of the patient. So that's looking at diet and nutrition as a huge component of um, understanding the root cause of the problem. Mouth, cre- mouth breathing, like you said, causes can cause decay because we're drying out the mouth and the saliva is key and instrumental in providing remineralization of the teeth. And then also we're looking at within the diet nutrition supplementation, what are, do they, are they having vitamin D3, K2? What, what kind of water are my patients drinking? I have a whole dietary intake. My intake is very, very long, but I have a whole dietary intake. <laughs> we even, appreciate it. <laughs> even looking at water, because I want to know what type of water you're drinking, if it's fluoridated, if it's not fluoridated, what kind of habits you have. Are you potentially, uh, is your jaws narrow? Is your tongue low, tongue high? Is your tongue going between your teeth? Um I'm looking at posture because like I, like I mentioned before, is your, are your, are you, is your fascia tight? Why is it tight? Is your, is your posture low and down and forward when you're speaking and when you're walking, we have to look at whole body development. If it's a young child, I'm looking to see if there's any, uh, what their birth history was like, if there's any potential reasons why they have like any restrictions throughout their body, fascial tension. So all of this plays a role in when I treat my patients. And it's very important that we look at all of these things because that's when we can really make sure that the disease doesn't reoccur because very rarely do you have someone wanting to come to the dentist to get treatment. They want to come to the dentist and know that they're doing a good job and and know Mm -hmm. that they're healthy. And, And you give people the correct information because it's all individualized. We're not all the same. It's all individualized um, recommendations that we pro- that we should provide our patients. So if we give them the correct info, well, the, can, they can make sure the disease doesn't reoccur. So important. Again, getting to that that root cause, thinking about all aspects of life, from nutrition to lifestyle. That definitely, definitely up my alley. So. Mention fluoride for a hot second. <laughs> fluoride is something I personally dislike very strongly. What are your thoughts on uh, fluoride? I, I know your thoughts, but let's, let's talk about fluoride for a second at least and talk about some solutions instead of fluoride. Sure, yes. And I think fluoride, there's more and more research coming out about fluoride. So first in order for your uh, listeners to understand, like, what is fluoride? Um, Mm -hmm. Fluoride comes from the Earth's crust, and it's it's a material, and it's synthesized when it's placed into water or other sources that we have in our dental products. Um, During that process, what can happen is it can potentially fluoride in the water. It could potentially present with arsenic, carcinogens, uh, other types of sources that could be actually harmful to our body. And what we what we found in the 1900s was that this guy, Doctor uh, Doctor McKay, he went to Colorado, and this all started when he saw 
brown modeling of teeth. Okay, he was noticing that these this brown modeling in 1901 in Colorado, these kids with this brown modeling was actually very resistant to decay. So what he what he when he was asking questions, what him and GB Black found was that there was a water source that actually was changed. And once that water source was changed, then they started getting this brown modeling of water, of tea. And what was in the water when they tested it was high amounts of fluoride. So what he, what he discovered was that because it has high amounts of fluoride and these teeth had, um, were really strong and didn't have resistant to decay, he determined, and this is a very, very long time ago, that it must be safe and effective in treating kids and making them making kids and adults have less resistant, uh, more more resistant teeth to decay. So that's where this research started, and then dental products and um, toothpastes and mouthwashes and rinses and flosses all started with implementing fluoride into it. Uh, now, more and more research is showing that. When you have these high levels of fluoride or these levels of fluoride at all, what we're seeing is that there's actually deficits in cognition and attention. Specifically, recently there was a um, there was a study that showed that the split study that mothers that were exposed to fluoride with fluoridated salt actually it was a Mexican Mex- study in Mexico, and there are many many studies, sixty plus I believe or eighty plus studies showing that fluoride fluoride has potential risks of neuro, neurotoxicity and cognition changes and tension changes. And they were found that there's a five to nine point lower score in IQ in babies born to mothers with, with the fluoridation. So this is, this is the risk of ingesting fluoride. This is definitely, this is the risk. So specifically, like I want people to know, because you might have mothers listening there are formulas that are reconstituted with fluoride in them. And then when you're drinking, yeah, crazy. And when you're, so you have to check your formulas and see. And I, that's when I recommend, personally, I recommend um, organic formulas like that, that do not have corn syrup, do not have, because this is all very, very important. Not, not introducing these high sugars to your children. And some people, unfortunately, for whatever reason, they cannot, or for or for for decision choices, they determine that it's best for them to give their children formula. So we have to look and see if not only what water sources are you using when you're giving the formula, because if you're putting formula with that's constituted with fluoride, and then you're having fluoridated water when you mix the 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 formula, you're getting so much fluoride, and you're giving it to a little tiny baby. So imagine the detrimental effects that can occur as the child gets older. This is so important. And I, I'm so saddened to not see pediatricians talking about this. Why aren't pediatricians having the conversation with parents that are, have, have, um, that are having formula-fed babies? Why aren't we talking openly and honestly about overexposure to fluoride? And exposure to fluoride at all. There should be informed consent when we're provide when we're 
especially in our water sources. I think there's only a few states, I think Portland, Oregon, Honolulu, and Wichita, and I think San Diego that don't have water in their in their pipeline. They don't have uh, fluoridated water in their pipeline, which is incredible. And that's because the the community came together and determined that it was best for them not to have fluoride in their in their water. And then it's so sad to hear from my colleagues in Oregon that then they just get supplemented for, for fluoride from their pediatrician. Oh, so they get literally, yeah. they literally get like tablets or prescriptions Why? for fluoride because they think Why? that fluoride is the solution and it's how we can fix, um, make sure and prevent, make sure and prevent that there's no decay in your child's mouth. Prevention, fluoride is not going well, I'm a to- doctor though, not like, uh, yeah, a pediatrician, not even a dentist. But the pro exactly the problem is, and but dentists also prescribe. From my understanding, I don't know. I don't have any mm-hmm. friends personally that prescribe fluoride. And like I said, we, you don't know what you don't know, right? So, right. so when you're in school, you're taught this is important. This is the guidelines. When I took my board certification exam, they told me how many milligrams of fluoride would you prescribe. And that, that's what you're, you're taught to basically projectile vomit, whatever's uh, in your mm, guideline in your yeah. book. And that's, you become an expert yeah. at that. But the truth of the matter is, like, like I said, the pe- people are not having issues with their teeth because of a lack of fluoride. We have fluoride in our water. We have, and so it, it, it's in, honestly almost impossible to escape it because when they're irrigating our fruits and vegetables, they're using fluoridated water to irrigate our fruits and vegetables. Right. So that means in our, so if you look at ch- our chicken bones or um, le- grape, the, the outside parts of the grape and I have uh-huh. all these different parts, um, all these different fruits and vegetables that if you test them, there's actually fluoride in them. So we're still eating and having exposure yeah. to fluoride, even if we do our best to try to escape it. Yeah. But so, I, so we might as well try exactly to do something. Yeah. So we know that that's not the, the problem. The problem is diet. The problem is overly processed foods. That's where our care that carries is coming from. The problem is that we're have we're straying away from eating whole foods and even our whole foods that we are trusting sometimes, unfortunately, due to greenwashing, which you, you would know better than anyone that. We're, they're putting things in our foods that are highly cariogenic, um, heart, inflammatory oils, things that are causing acidic pH in our mouths and leading leading to uh, demineralization of our teeth. And mouth breathing is a huge cause as well. And what we need what we need to do is, like I said, identify the root cause. Potentially, hopefully, work with good healthcare practitioners or help educate yourself and your kids to make the best decisions for your family because well, this, this is research that's out there and, and it's showing us that, you know, there are other options that are, that we could potentially have our kids having lower IQ scores, neurotoxicity, all these things. So I don't, and it's out there. So it's not a secret. Yeah, yeah it's, I've seen it's it. research that's been published you can look for it yourself. We can link PMIDs so you can better get educated on this. But it's really important yeah. to make good decisions, get reverse osmosis water filters in your home, um, and use uh, make sure you're using 
in drinking these waters, especially if you have children and you're using formula. What should someone do if they have, besides changing the water and nutrition, that's super important, <clears throat> excuse me, but I, I've seen these different remineralizing toothpaste out there and putties that are non-toxic and they have an ingredient that I cannot pronounce, hydroxypatite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. I'm so glad. Um, so so what, is, what is that? First of all, pronounce it correctly and tell us what that is and how it can kind of replace fluoride. Yeah, so hydroxyapatite is actually an organic mineral that is in our tooth structure. So we have like 97% of our enamel is made of hydroxyapatite. So J Japanese researchers for over 40 years, um, they and in Japan, it's been like the gold standard to use hydroxyapatite for teeth remineralization. And that's because it's, and what they do is they, they actually can mine this hydroxyapatite from, from, from the earth, from the earth. And what it can do is remineralize the tooth structure when you're, when you're placing it on the teeth because it's hydroxyapatite in itself. So there are toothpastes like, is it okay if I name brands? Do you mind? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, absolutely. There we can link them. Okay, great. There are toothpastes like Riswell and Boca and, um, those two in particular, I like because Risewell, for example, it's okay if it's ingested. And, you know, with fluoridated toothpaste specifically, you do not want to have it ingested. And it's free of artificial chemicals, free, free of um, SLS, sulfates, all of these harmful things that we can potentially be exposed to with other um toothpastes. And with using hydroxyapatite, it can remineralize the tooth structure because that's what our teeth are made of. It's incredible. And it also has natural... And it's non-toxic? Non-toxic. And it also has natural whitening effects as well, which is... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, which is, which is that's wonderful. Nice. <laughs> yes. And wow. we want to make sure that we're not sterilizing our mouth with these um, harmful toothpaste that we can be exposed to. We want to make sure that we have good uh, relationships with good bacteria in our mouth. And by using these alcohol-based mouthwashes, alcohol-based rinses, things like this, you can actually potentially sterilize the mouth. And that's not good for our gut health and oral microbiome. We want to be able to nourish our bacteria, good bacteria. And it's important for us to use toothpastes with like hydroxyapatite that can potentially do that without, with, without all those harmful chemicals that could potentially be in our toothpaste. Wow. Love it. Yeah, I got a little. I haven't tried the rise ball stuff yet. I really would like to. Um, but I got this little jar. I'll have to send a picture of the brand. I cannot remember. Like it looks kind of hippie. It's like really hard to read and it's like rainbow. It's it's cute, but yeah. I got it from my holistic dentist here in Chicago and it has hydroxy appetite in it and some other homeopathic things in there so i'm excited excited to keep using it and kind of trying to prevent cavities and prevent demineralization things like that i love that there are options out there you know like it's so great that you bring this solutions or mindset to all of this we can share this information about you know fluoride being damaging to 
you know, it, it's a neurotoxin. <laughs> it's it's causing problems. It's lowering IQ and you know, education drives motivation. So I love that we share that. But I also love that you're providing all these different tangible solutions. So, and you've provided so many throughout this entire conversation. My kind of closing question I was going to ask you, do you have any tips for people? Uh, And I guess in your professional opinion, what are some ways adults can improve their breathing, oral hygiene, and overall health? But you've pretty much answered all of that through this episode. (laughs) So if you have any final thoughts on that, feel free to share. But otherwise, I feel like this has been so jam-packed with great solutions. Um, Thanks. I'm really happy to hear that. I just want, you know, your followers to be aware that there are solutions to conventional treatment to the, there are better solutions to conventional treatments when it comes to um, dental health, oral health, and the connection to our sleep and our breathing. And just to seek out from healthcare providers that are well versed in this so that you can get the most optimal healthcare you can. You know, here at the Breathe Institute, we have, like I said, courses and and, you know, what we do is we have, we can't treat everybody because even though we do have virtual support, we, we know that, you know, you want to have a dentist nearby. So we have teeth. The Breathe Institute has ambassadors or an affiliates that have had advanced training, uh, advanced training in sleep, breathing, and glabosia. And they also uh, have a functional approach to treating these people as well. So if you, I really want to help people as much as I can. But if you have these issues and you're not in the Los Angeles area, we do have these um, doctors that are really well trained in this and they can help you out if you have issues uh, of the previous things that I mentioned. And that can be accessed on your website? Yeah, thebreatheinstitute.com. I'll include a link. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. And if you need help, hopefully one of our doctors can help you or we can help you virtually, whatever you think is best for you. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Nora. I love learning from you, talking to you, and I know this episode's going to be an absolute hit. I really, really feel that the work you're doing is paving, paving the way to kind of a newer approach to holistic health, and that's really cool. Thank you. And thank you so much for the work that you do. And thank you to your listeners that are being so proactive in their healthcare. that the it really comes from listening to our patients. And that's how doctors and practitioners change. They listen to their patients and that's when they ch- start to change. So when you have, when your patients, when, if you're a patient, if you advocate for your health and you're in the person in the chair and you're trying to advocate for your health, you come back with saying like, Hey, I've seen these articles. I've seen this research. Maybe you should, you know, look at it. And that's how practitioners start to kind of, their wheels start to turn. Right. They're like, Oh, my patient. No, yeah. like, people are starting to learn about this. Maybe I should learn too. <laughs> A good closing thought.